was slinging puns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And they complained about time too, about not playing D&D. It was free for all, and I heard him say he bought my Borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Thank you, Mr. T.J. Drennan. Welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, PDF Holder, RPG Player, and Aspiring GM. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. The idea that Rhesus is too freeform for a new gamer, I think I would disagree with that. I think if somebody had only played Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, an OSR kind of system and then tried to play Rhesus, there might be a, you know, they might have an issue initially if they have a mental block, if they're expecting a role-playing game to look like what they're used to it looking like. But I think a new player, would, a neophyte would be fine. But I don't know, that's something we'll have to experiment with. Maybe we should go find some somebody, people that have never played a role-playing game and and try to introduce them with Rhesus. But all you need for Rhesus are just to understand standard tropes, because that's all it is. The cliches, you know, for... Well, I'll leave one more message. For anybody that hasn't, isn't familiar with Rhesus, your character in Rhesus doesn't have attributes. There, There isn't any of that. All you have are cliches. And generally you'll have three or four cliches to make character up. And those cliches are just generic, kind of free form. You make them up however you want. So let's pick character in fiction and make Reese's character out of them. So let's make Han Solo. Jason Connolly there from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thanks for that message, Jason. Now, I'm sure you'll agree with me when I say that Jason sounds a little bit tired there. He did send me a subsequent message the next day saying that he wasn't sure if he'd said all that he'd intended to say with those messages. I don't know if he had actually intended to talk a little bit more about creating a Han Solo character, but I'm quite pleased that you've left that in my hands because uh, I think that'll be quite a fun exercise. I think you make a valid point there at the start that Rhesus may very well be easier to pick up for people who have never played RPGs than for somebody who's familiar with a particular system like D&D. You know, I suppose if you were to explore whether that would be the case, I guess you'd you'd have to give the rules to somebody, to a group of people interested in RPGs, but with very little knowledge. And uh, yeah, just hand them the rules, let them get on with it, come back a couple of hours later, and see what they've come up with. And as Jason says there, Rhesus doesn't have standard uh, attributes or uh, ability scores. You come up with uh, what's called cliches, which are character traits. So essentially you agree on a setting and then come up with characters who might fit that setting, or you could go off a tangent and put somebody in a setting where they're a complete fish out of water. 
might be a fun exercise. To begin with, you're encouraged to choose a kind of a stereotypical character. Say you were playing Star Wars and you wanted to create Han Solo, which is a great one because I think it's safe to say that anybody listening to this would know who Han Solo is. And the great thing about those characters in the original movies is they're very easily summed up. So let's see if I can summarise him and say three cliches. Things that spring to mind, damn good pilot, something that uh, he says about himself, but I think his actions uh, demonstrate that that is a perfectly reasonable assessment. He's a lovable rogue. He's um, a smuggler, bit of a gunslinger, I'd say. Certainly seems to be able to handle himself in a shootout. And then you've got his tenacity, illustrated by the whole never-tell-me-the-odds thing. So could I summarise that in three clichés? Well, I guess you could say space pirate, which covers the... which could cover the fact that he's a good pilot, that he's uh, handy with a weapon, and he's a smuggler. So, yeah, I'd probably put space pirate as his top cliché. Then, you know, his charm, his wit, his kind of snarky comebacks. I guess uh, lovable rogue would be the next one. And then you could just put never tell me the odds as number three to illustrate his his doggedness, his tenacity, and his, his ability to just recklessly throw himself into things. And then you get to a portion 10d6, I think it is, to each of those traits, each of those cliches. So maybe it's four, not three, because then you could have four, three, two, one. So we get the idea anyway. Also, those cliches suggest what items your character would be carrying as well. So the GM comes up with a target difficulty rating i think they go up in increments of five and then you you roll against that you have to beat that target so it's all very simple and freeform and um i can imagine that hearing that a D player for example might think well surely someone could exploit the hell out of this system and uh well that's true but it's not really in the spirit of the game, you know. Uh, so there you go. That's essentially, that's recess. That was a fun little exercise. I hope you were happy with what I came up with there, Jason. Thanks very much for your call. Take care, man. Hi, Spencer. Just wanted to... Back up your recommendation of the Adventure Party podcast. The episode called uh, What's That Rule For? was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, Thanks for bringing it to my attention. I'd been meaning to listen to a few more of their episodes and like a lot of things in life, it kind of fell by the wayside. So uh, I appreciated you kind of refocusing me a little bit, shall we say.
Take care, mate, and I'll catch you later. Colin Spike Pit Green there. Thank you very much for that message, Colin. Always nice to hear from the master. I feel that there should be some witty proverb about the student teaching the teacher or, well, nothing's coming to me. You get what I'm trying to say. I really enjoy the adventuring party. And, um, yeah, I came to it through uh, Conrad Kinch and the Send Free and Fourpence podcast. He's appeared on the Adventuring Party podcast a few times. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff there. Well worth a listen. Thanks for the call, Colin. Cheers. Next up, I've got a call from the mysterious Dr. Ludus of Loco Ludus regarding my last episode where I was talking about internal logic and went off on a bit of a ramble and perhaps wandered into some unfamiliar territory, as this message might illustrate. Hello, Spencers. This is Ludus. I'm back, you see? In the latest episode from of the Borderlands, you're talking about authenticity and then about the vermicity and then you're talking about the internal logic and I'm thinking to myself this is very very worrying for me I mean very worrying for me for you this is worrying and the question for me is how can there be this internal logic when something is emergent Now, you've got me wondering if I'm using those terms correctly. I mean, I was talking about having a tonal consistency to the setting, to the world that's being created. And um, I'm sure you're aware that's what I was getting at. But is that at odds with emergence? Does emergence need to be unbound? Or am I not understanding what you're getting at? I wonder if the good doctor could help me out here. You speak of tonal consistencies. And this is a very, very attractive idea. Tonal consistency is a very attractive idea. But then, what is this really? If I say to you, a beautiful countryside, even maybe with a garden or something like this. And then I say to you, a kabutzeo. And then I say to you, loud heavy metal music. And then I say to you, a bun fight. These things simply go together like the chalk and the vinegar. Surely you mean vinegar. All I'm saying, dear Spencer, is that these things are very interesting ideas. All of these words, authenticity, and uh, 
uh, tonal consistency and what was the other one. I can't remember what the other one was. These are very good words, very interesting words. But I think we don't need them. They, we, we get further when we simply just put them away. Hmm. Now I'm just going to let that sink in. That's beautiful, man. Now, I could take that thought quite literally and just hang up my podcast right here. But fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, I enjoy talking about this stuff. So, I shall continue. Thank you very much for those messages, Barney. Sorry, Dr. Ludus. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Holy shit, dude. So because I'm all caught up with your episodes, for whatever reason, uh, my podcast app told me that I should go back and listen to your episode on the Southern Reach trilogy, which I actually already had. And it's the reason I read the first book. So thank you again. That was an awesome episode. But that <laughs> that's the episode with your pipe dream commercial in it, man. Holy shit. I had totally forgotten about it. And that... That's that's the funniest thing I've heard on Anchor since I've been on Anchor, man. That was it's so good, dude. So just, I'm sure I might have called in before. I'm sure I might have. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. Anyway, dude, thank you for making that because it just brightened my day, man. Anyway, peace out. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Always good to hear from you. Joe Richter there from uh, Hindsightless and Wheel of Woe. And uh, yeah, I don't know why... Uh, why <laughs> told you to go back and listen to that particular episode but um i i'm really really glad that it brightened up your day and um and i would say i i think i've spoken about this before i mean i'm quite proud of that but at the same time i don't feel i can take the credit for it because it just it's one of those things that just popped into my head fully formed I quickly scrawled it out and I don't think it was until I'd actually recorded it and then listened back to it <laughs> that I started to appreciate what it was actually, you know, saying. And, uh, I, yeah, I was just, yeah, so pleased with how that came out. Thanks so much for calling in with that, Joe. And when are we going to get another episode from you, man? When's 101? Don't leave us hanging, fella. So I've just been listening to a recent episode of Roleplay Rescue where Jay Webster 
interviews Daniel Jones, writer of the Eudaimonic Geekery blog. And it was such a great interview. I mean, it really, really captured what I look for in play in terms of uh, escapism, in terms of immersing myself in a world, which is one of the reasons that I really like rules-like systems. The rules can melt into the background and I can just get on with engaging with that world. You know, it's less of a barrier, it's less of an obstacle. And um, there was a little bit about the tone of fantasy in there, which was quite interesting. Daniel was talking about a sense of modernity in, for want of a better term, standard fantasy. And I, I think I understand what he was getting at there, this approaching the world with a sort of a modern mindset. It's the Wild West with medieval trappings. That's how it comes across to me, to a certain extent. And um, in a lot of ways, a lot of that fantasy is post-apocalyptic. Now, I don't mean Mad Max per se, but um, there's usually some kind of cataclysm that has occurred that um, has transformed the landscape. And that's where the kind of the, the dynamism and the mystery of the world you are exploring comes from. I hope this is making sense. There is that dilemma of you're playing characters of a world and yet, to a certain degree, that world has to be, well, not necessarily has to be, but more often than not, that world is unfamiliar to the players. To the, not to the players, to the, to the characters. Or at least that's one way of dealing with the fact that the world is unfamiliar to the players. Unless, you know, there's a whole lot of background there that's available to the players if they want to engage in reading up on that. But one way of tackling the fact that the players don't know the world, that difference between players' knowledge of the world and the characters' knowledge of the world that they're supposedly a part of, there's a variety of ways of dealing with it. But I guess the simplest way is to, yes, make that world as new to the characters as it is to the players. But yeah, I'm way off the point I was making, if I was indeed making a point. I don't even know if this was what Daniel was alluding to when he was talking about modernity in gaming. I feel I've kind of gone off in a completely different direction. What was interesting that he was talking about was this superstitious, kind of irrational sense of past before science this kind of um, time of uh, ceremony and ritual and in some ways I'm drawn to games like that for example the, the Shivering Circle is something that's set in the modern era it's now it's contemporary but it's all about mysteries of the past kind of leaking into the here and now 
stuff beyond our modern understanding of the world. This kind of folk horror, forgotten past that we no longer understand, catching up with us. I see a lot of that in Into the Odd as well. So um, just a really interesting interview and uh, it's well worth checking out and probably makes a whole lot more sense than I am right now. Perhaps a good doctor's diagnosis was correct. Maybe I should stop talking. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off the Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.